we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our emergency freedom alerts for July 24th, 2023. And this relates heavily to what we just covered in part one and also what we've covered the last three weeks regarding Jim Caviezel in particular and the, uh, the whole thing with the uh, passion of the Christ and the sound of silence and this stuff. Listener comment. Uh, Jim Caviezel says Jesus was with him as he was playing the scene on the cross in the Passion of Christ movie. So she says, okay, so from the last two videos I sent you about acting, and actually I played excerpts from those two videos regarding what we just heard about acting. We know 100% it's wrong and satanic. So what spirit was with him as he was playing this role of the Passion of the Christ? I'm not going to play all this i'm just going to kind of hit all this um another listener said unreal that people cannot see the truth uh in there again but then god sends strong delusion uh to those that have no love for the truth so many christians love this movie and the chosen meaning the passion of the christ and the chosen we can't make people believe anything these days not without the holy spirit discernment yeah it's a good point my reply also was jim caviezel in this clip in this audio clip was saying Essentially, he was literally possessed by Jesus Christ and that Jesus and him were on the cross together during the Passion of Christ movie. I give you the clip. You can listen to it for yourself. And Jesus was speaking to him the whole time. Whenever I start to hear people tell me, oh, Jesus said this, Jesus said that, and they're in constant communication with Jesus throughout the day, for me, that's a red flag. I don't see a lot of Bible for that. I don't see even the apostles going around saying they were in constant communication with Jesus Christ. Like, you know, having a headset on and you're hearing Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus couldn't do that. But I'm talking about what are the what are the scriptural precedents for that? Where where are we? I understand you can hear the voice of God, and what you're gonna hear though is if you're really hearing the voice of God, it's going to line up with the Word of God. And one of the reasons that we don't hear the voice of God all the time in our head is because we've got the Word of God. So um, we're to consult His Word. We're to be good Bereans. We're to search the, search the Scriptures daily. We're to be like the men of Issachar, who were men that were understood the day and times they were living in. We're not to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. These are all different things that we're supposed to do. So my whole thing is, why wouldn't this Jesus that was talking to him when he was on the cross in the Catholic, uh, Mel Gibson-produced Catholic passion of the christ where he went jim caviezel was going to a priest every day to get the unholy catholic eucharist and again just see this subject the subject of transubstantiation you can key that in there um, it's a whole other thing that we could talk about it's unbiblical it's wicked it's evil <clears throat> and he was going to a catholic priest every day to get confession to take the catholic communion host uh, again going to a priest for confession is not biblical at all the bible says there's one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus we're not to go to a priest we're not to go to mary we're to go to you know father god through the lord jesus christ okay that's how we're supposed to pray so why wouldn't jesus first tell jim caviezel if he was with him on this cross scene to repent and flee 
and warn others about that devil false religion of Catholicism that he is in, that he is promoting, that is take that has taken billions to hellfire, going all the way back to 318 AD, when it was first, the first concepts of it were formed through the Emperor uh, Constantine. Why, why wouldn't Jesus tell him to do that? Wouldn't that be the nine billion pound gorilla in the room? You would think, you would think if it was really Jesus talking to him on the cross, that would be the main thing that was said. No, supposedly Jesus, um, when he was praying to Jesus, and this is a whole other clip that I give you the, the soundbite for, you can hear it right out of his own mouth, told him that he wanted Jim to be, Jim was like, what, what do you want me to do, uh, Jesus? What do you want me to do? I want you to be an actor. That's what he said. That's what he said Jesus told him to do. I, I'll, I give you the link. You can hear it right for yourself. We've just heard about actors and the whole hypocrites and how it's derived, a lot of it's derived from that word and the word entertainment, how that breaks down and all of the demonic channeling that is done in Hollywood. You, you land a major role like this in Hollywood. And now he's supposedly channeling Jesus Christ while he's on the cross. When there's so many things in the movie that are totally unbiblical. It's promoted by Catholics. Uh, Mel Gibson and these types of things. Jim Caviezel is a hardcore Catholic. Yet this Jesus that's supposedly speaking to him doesn't care about any of that stuff. No, he doesn't care about Jim Caviezel totally praying to Mary and worshiping Mary and pointing people to Mary using her in idolatry, this queen of heaven that they pray to. It's not the Mary of the Bible. They think it is, but it's not. No, that Jesus didn't care about. This is another Jesus that the Bible talks about that we're hearing from. Why wouldn't this Jesus first tell him to repent, flee, warn others about that devil false religion of Catholicism that is and has taken billions to hellfire, going back to 318 AD? Because the spirit that was possessing him was not Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come in and possess people, okay? Like, um, basically, Satan came into Judas or whatever. There's Bible for that, okay? And possessed him, okay? Jesus doesn't do that, okay? He gives us free will. Also, more red flags about this. There's a whole, uh, there's so much more that's come out about this. I mean, I, I can't even cover it all. I've, I've done three teachings on it. You you can, it's, it's more horrific every time I hear about stuff. Why I can't support the sound of freedom, trust, but verify. There's a whole link to this report. I mean, it's bombshell. Another bombshell. And this clip, Jim Caviezel says God spoke to him in a movie theater and told him he wanted him to be an actor. Okay. Now, again, if you listen to part one of this teaching, <laughs> I think you're going to see there's some serious red flags with that. Then, the next one, Sound of Freedom star Jim Caviezel praises Donald Trump on Fox and Friends. This is just very recent. And says, I'm still Jesus, but he's the new Moses about Trump. Trump, the sexual deviant devil that I've done, I don't know how many teachings, that I've got over a hundred pages of documentation, who gave us that big, beautiful shot and hasn't apologized one bit for it, takes credit for it, for that whole COVID kill shot, DNA defiling devil shot, 
that he gave us through Operation Warp Speed, still brags about it to this day, and all the other wicked things he's done that I've documented. Jim Caviezel says, I'm still Jesus, meaning Passion of the Christ Jesus, that Jesus that he played. But he, meaning Trump, is the new Moses. I mean, that's not too blasphemous, right? To call yourself Jesus? Well, he says he was possessed by the spirit of Jesus. Caviezel then said of Trump, quote, this is the new Moses. I mean, I'm still Jesus, but he's the new Moses. This is how deluded and deceived this Catholic, dare I say, devil is. I don't buy any of, the, of this anything anymore. Tim Ballard, Jim Caviezel, Mel Gibson, Sound of Silence, Passionate Christ, The Chosen, they're all devils. I've heard enough. I've seen enough. I've reported on it. The first week I reported on this, I was, I was a lot more soft-spoken about this. I hadn't learned all that I've learned up to this point. But now I know. Now there's no doubt. I should have. I shouldn't have even, even entertained that these the, these people could be good people. I shouldn't have even. I should have known better. And once again, anything that comes out of Hollywood just tends to always be evil, wicked, and corrupt. He says, I mean, I'm still Jesus, but he, meaning Trump, is the new Moses. Then he said, Pharaoh, let my children go free. Oh, so Trump's going to come in and make sure there's no child sex trafficking is the implication there. If he can get back into the White House. Right. Just like he was going to drain the swamp before. And all he did is install more swamp creatures. Right, left paradigm, Coke, Pepsi, you know. All on the same team, though, at the end of the day. To which he and others laughed at the reference to him playing Jesus Christ in the Mel Gibson uh, show, The Passion, Passion of the Christ or whatever. But he's still calling himself, I'm still Jesus. Wow, talk about no fear God there, Jim. You never were Jesus. You never were. Just blasphemy on... And this is just a little bit about what came out last. I, I can't even keep up with all the stuff on Jim Caviezel now. And Tim Ballard. Oh, man. Click on that first link. Sound of Freedom, Trust and Verify posted here in the PDF. More stuff on Operation Underground Railroad, Tim Ballard. I mean, the whole thing. Everything is just a rotten mess. And has been. It's just that it's not coming out in mass until now because people are doing their homework. All right, let's go further. Um, this is entitled, I am a human fax machine. Wicked spirits telling recorded recording artists what to write. Okay, so this is the same people we'd heard from before in the last teaching, Little Light Studios. Again, I'm a human fax machine, spirits telling artists what to write. And they're talking about the subject of music. So I'll just let them talk. Music, And we don't really talk much about that on this channel, but there's some fascinating stuff that's happening in the music field and I, I think the most important thing is that we we cover this topic because mm. there's some really interesting stuff did you know that the uh majority of the songs in the pop realm were made in the last 20 30 years even were made by one man that's crazy <laughs> that is dude. what do you mean by like what do you mean by like the i don't know if the majority of them were i think he's talking about 
a majority of number one hits or very, very high level hits made by some of the most famous, and we'll, we'll, we're going to see some of the names associated with them here, were made by one guy, um, which I wasn't aware of this at all. Majority. What do you mean by so, that? So uh, the majority, as in uh, a significant portion of the individual artists that have created, use one man to do, <laughs> to do a, a, their lyrics and to do their music. So, so they ghostwriter. Yeah, so so a ghostwriter. They go to this guy and, and say, "Hey, I, I don't have I don't have a song, but I can sing really well. Uh, can you can you help me?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I'll write this uh, or sing this and, and do this, and and you should you'll be amazed." In fact, we're gonna find out he has he uh, even though he's not well known, he has the majority of the top number one hits. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And probably never sang a song in his life. Right. I don't know. It's like I have heard that. A lot of artists don't write their own music, like Britney Spears and stuff, in sync and stuff when they come out, uh, because I don't know. I think they're kind of just molded. Like, if you want to be big, you have to sound like this, and then once you get your legs, then we'll let you write your own stuff. But I didn't know that they were. A lot of them were written by one single person. Yeah, I, I think like. Well, like, you have to also have to make deals with the devil and basically, you know, kind of sell your soul that type of stuff. Now we're going to learn more about that in the next audio from John Todd where I believe he talks about that uh, subject as well. And that, that's more along the really Luciferian occult side. The Gaga was a writer for mm. other people before yeah. she actually became uh, on her own. In fact, uh, I think, isn't it Sean Puffy Combs was the same way? I think he wrote rhymes and raps and stuff like that and then was giving them to him so is that his name yeah puffy i don't know what he goes by now but, <laughs> but that's the distinction you have entertainers and you have artists yeah. the artists are the ones who are actually creating the music the entertainers sing it they're the face right. the personality right yeah just because you can write the music i guess you wouldn't be a good front man that's right. not always For, the case so i guess first time yeah. i ever heard of this was millie vanilli you guys <laughs> there were like two models that couldn't sing and yeah. so the the actual what you heard on the album was just these older people that weren't didn't look the best for the the, the image or whatever but Millie Vanilli were the image these like twins or something yeah, like brothers they, that were hot they, models or whatever they had been the end of endless like you know videos and jokes about it and yeah. like the music would cut off and they'd still be dancing oh, and stuff. Man. the record would skip at the live or that happened before the record skipped and they're right like, and they're just like uh one guy ran off stage yeah <laughs> Boy, that's but these this is different because these guys aren't they're not mimicking someone else's song as in lip syncing yeah. They're actually taking someone else's words, someone else's uh, produced music, and saying, hey, now this is my own. Mm. I'm going to. They're basically covering this guy's material, wow. and, and he doesn't even want full credit for That's it. what I was going to ask, that he's not credited on the song? A little bit, yeah. He, okay. he's, like, he's like in the credits on the very bottom of the, you know, of the song. Song written by uh, Britney Spears and uh, this guy. You know? But then again, it's like, how much is that really worth? If he's getting paid. Oh, and yeah. if he's in a position of control or power, I guess he doesn't care that his name isn't. And he can actually go grocery shopping without being bombarded by right. people. Let me right. get you autographs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so do you want to know who this is? Yes. Uh, this is fascinating. So first, I'm going to show you all these different actors. And they're going to say, 
Thank you so much to this guy. Uh, Actors. Act, excuse me. Okay. Uh, the, the musicians, and they're going to say thank you to this guy. Working with Max in the studio for me is very relaxed. Working with Max is a, a lot of laughter. I think that's Pink. I don't know a lot of these people, but they do. I, I'm familiar with their faces, but I don't follow their music. Working with Max Martin is awesome because he is such a huge fan of Max me. Martin, I guess, is this guy's name? And he's such like a, um, he has really infectious energy. And Max is great in the studio. He's, he's a That's Britney Spears. Which I totally respect. He has a... Katy Perry. Childlike quality to his melody. Who is one of the worst. Um, Key and Katy Perry in the keyword search box. I've done that, that song she did, Extraterrestrial, about um, essentially uh, humanity interbreeding with aliens. I mean, we're talking next level evil wickedness. That's just one of the wicked songs Katy Perry has done. And evidently he's been a gigantic writer for her as well. Sensibilities. I can't describe the impact Max has made. That's that Simon guy from, I don't know, that American Idol, I think, something like that show where they judge talent. The music scene over the years. He's done nothing but make the most amazing music i think of all time of our generation of generations to come at the time when i first worked with max and it was britney and backstreet boys it was just like those songs were one after the other after the other after the other and you could he's demonically channeling these songs you have to under i mean michael jackson said he would he had this room that he had it was all mirrors and again a lot of times if you're in the occult you will use mirrors in the channeling process and there through the process of automatic writing um which are how a lot of occult books have been written i've talked a lot about that in the past you can key in automatic writing songs are also written that way a lot of the songs stairway to heaven there's a lot of songs that were were made totally through automatic writing and where it's just downloaded into the person and they're they're, they're acting like a human fax machine, just like the title of this video. That's how this guy is doing it. He has a very strong connection to Satan, essentially, or his minions that are, this is their niche thing. He has a very strong connection to uh, whatever spirits are guiding him to crank out these songs in mass. So this is totally demonic, and obviously if, they're cranking out the songs. The songs are putting a spell on the people that are listening to them. And I, I think also even more so probably the people that are buying this and literally, um, you know what I mean, uh, paying money to go to these concerts and, and to buy it and, and to um, have it playing all the time. I think those people are even at another level of probably influence. Back and listen to them and they're just great songs. I don't think Max is human. He's not human. He's probably not. He's probably like a reptilian or something or some kind of demonic entity with a skin suit on. Max was made in Sweden to make hit records because nobody human can do what he's no, done. He's probably right, though. There's probably not, It's really not because even if he is human, he is channeling demonic spirits in order to crank out all of these so-called hits. So... Yeah, it's a non-human entity that's that's channeling through this devil. Over the years, it is literally unbelievable. His sound was always 
uh, transcending. You know, it was always ahead of the game. I think that Max's secret is probably something along the lines of the simplest, most effective thing is always the best. Stop. Take a deep breath. Simplify. He's he's really good at. I mean, a great chef says the most important ingredient is the thing you leave out, and I think that's also great for producing. That that's what he brings. Is he he sort of takes all of you and then goes, these parts are fantastic. Let's work with this. He helped to shape a sound and define a sound, and that's what makes him a genius. His melodies are so incredible and so sophisticated but simple. It's funny when you hear music on the radio and you hear a certain yow, you automatically think it's Max, even if it's not. People emulate him, people want to be like him and want to have that Max Martin sound. He's the most obsessed with music and that's it. But he's a lot of fun to work with. He's an amazing person and um, very, very talented. You've got to love the music, that's what's important, and he loves pop music. I mean, he just, he's, he amazes me, and I really got a chance to get to know him, and you just fall in love with him really easily. You are a master. Take us to the promised land. Whoa. I mean, why? 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 <laughs> no, what's interesting is somebody said he's not, it's like he's not even human. Right. Everything he writes is a masterpiece, and then he's like, Take us to the promised land, bowing to him, like, that's kind of telling, they right? They have all three elements. Love the music or love what you do. Keep Those it. are some of the highest level pop musicians that have, are in existence, the ones that you were hearing from as well. And there's also that spurt, the supernatural power mm. as well. Mm. They said it, their words, right? Yeah, yeah. It's you not are... human, take us to the promised land. Uh, yeah, it's like you're influencing generations of people. Right. with the music right. and i think they know it i think that's a telltale sign of like mm. you know how much they're aware of that fact yeah yeah and i want to i want to show exactly uh what how many songs this guy makes because when we hear songs on the radio and, and typically i try not to mm. I, I, if i go to the the grocery store i go to the gym it's it's inevitable yeah. it's going to happen and and I, I get these songs that are stuck in my head and they're they're called earworms right yeah <laughs> and um but you let me just go over some of the songs real quick this is just from britney spears if you know anything about britney spears uh, baby one more time crazy i will be there oops i did it again can't make you love me don't go knocking on my door lucky stronger britain britney overprotected bombastic love cinderella i'm not a girl yet a woman when you are where you are now female fairy tale fairy tale yeah no. hold it against me till the no it's femme fatale it's not female fairy tale. It's femme fatale. And I go inside out. I mean, it just goes wait, on and so wait, on these and are, on. Yeah, I mean, that's unreal. That is like, oh my word, one, two, three, four. Um, way over twenty, just from Britney Spears. I mean, that that's insane. They're all songs that Max wrote for her. For her. Wow. And, and this is just her. And Has I she written any. No, no. <laughs> That's more than an album right there. Oh, yeah. It's that's like a lot this. Of songs. Can you imagine being one person and being like, you hear yourself on. about 23 songs. Yeah, yeah, that was me. And then the next song. Oh, yeah, that's me too. The next song. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Like, no band could ever do that because they're not going to play one band after another on the radio. They're going to make sure they mix it up. But if you wrote songs for different bands, you could hear your song the whole day, really. Right. 
throughout this time that he's been doing this, he's had uh, songs on the radio that are in the top ten, sometimes five of them at a time wow. in the top ten. Wow. Five out of the ten Word. were his song. Which and, doesn't happen. You might, Like, if you're Nicki Minaj, you don't have five songs at the top. Yeah. Because you're one yeah. uh, musician. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's, that's interesting because, you know, Nicki Minaj, she has a character. She has a... Roman. I don't her style, so to speak. So, but with him writing for all these different people, that's five different styles, five different personalities, five different genres, maybe. Uh, How right. does he... Because well, that, because those songs question, are sort right? of crafted doing it? for her, right? Right. So they're yeah. like probably doing that promoting for her artist. character, like you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. So not only is he writing uh, songs, it's got to be demonic. There's no other obvious explanation. How could he do, put out, crank out this level, the mass amount of these pop hits for different artists that that you know do things differently, and yet. It's all coming from the same guy. It's it's totally of the dark side. Songs about boys, but he's also writing love songs about girls, girls yeah. as well. He has, uh, or does he, have the ability to write for all different types of genres and think in the terms that they would be able to do this? Is it him? Or could it be something else oh, that's something happening? Something else. <laughs> that's so so let's, let's go into this a little bit deeper. I'm going to show you some of the different artists he's worked with. Um, check this out composer in the world has written melodies as sustainable or as widespread as those of Max Martin. He has refined and... Yeah, Taylor Swift is another one. Katy Perry. I mean, all of these, they're, they're showing these people. Um, I almost want to... Something else. That's I almost want to just put this on mute for a sec and just... Because they're going from person to person and they're saying all these different artists that this one... Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, Nicki Minaj... Andrea Grande, Ariana Grande, Ellie Goulding, Adam Lambert, Demi Lovato, Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Backstreet Boys, Katy Perry, Pink. I mean, this guy, he, the producer, he is the most number one signals, singles, um, He's had 23 number one signals. Best known in his work for Katy Perry, Britney Spears, Kelly Clarkson, Pink, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Maroon 5, Coldplay, Avril Lavani, Usher, Lady Gaga, Keisha, Celine Dion, Christina Aguilera, Simple Plan, Jennifer Lopez, Demi Lovato, Justin Timberlake, Adele, Bon Jovi, Ellie Goulding, Tori Kelly, and The Weeknd. Um... But you saw how many he had just for Britney Spears. This guy is demonically channeling these songs. And we're talking about in mass. Remember, devils and divas, they don't have to sleep. And, and they've been around for thousands of years. And they're very, very adept at their craft and what they do. They're using this guy like a medium they're channeling through him and he is cranking out these songs and getting them to all these different Luciferian artists or at bare minimum being used by Lucifer in Hollywood to a very, very high degree. And this is where the number one songs are coming from, from this demon-possessed vessel of Satan. Max Martin has written 23 to 25. There are some different things, statistics online. Number one singles. That's not just singles he's written. That's 
number one singles that have hit the top of the chart, can't go any higher than this. He's mm -hmm. written 23 to 25 of those. He's best known to work with, you ready for this? These, these are the people that he works with. He already went through this, I already did. So I'm, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit here. This music, I'm the ones I recognize. So right. I do have to, I have to ask this question because I'm working on this video about DJ Khaled and just looking into what he does. I was of the opinion that he was a producer, but really what he's more of is a promoter, a marketer. He gets all the people in the room he gets people to make the beats, he gets people to write the songs and all that, and gets the talent, puts it all together, and puts out a project wow. with his name on it. So I'm wondering, with Max Martin writing these songs, getting number one, <clears throat> is it the lyrics itself that are pushing to number one, or is it the, the, a mixture, but more like the talent that's getting it to number one? Let me write a song for Ariana Grande. She's like at her peak right now. Let me give her this song. It's going to be number one, and that could be part of my ca catalog. You think that has a role to play or yeah. this is many like people are praising the lyricism in the songs yeah that is an interesting question and i guess like one one that i want to answer or ask as well is like is as just because you wrote the song that's not the that's not the tune right right but yeah like dj Khaled is praised like we're the best music i'm number one well you you're playing yeah. off of all these yeah there's uh, like a bunch of and of course you're going to be number one if everyone likes you know the character here I mean, the, the person that you're collaborating with. Well, we're actually going to answer this question, I think, a little bit for uh, just the next slide here. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty telling because he's, even though he's helping out in, in a much bigger studio, um, he is also writing a majority of these things. But it's interesting that he is not the top artist that has written something. The only two people that are above him you ready for this? Mm. Michael Jackson. We, we John, know a little bit about this. Not Michael Jackson. John Lennon? Is that the... Boom. That's how you say his name? So it's Paul McCartney and John Lennon. They, wow. they, both they, from the Beatles. Both from the Beatles. Wow. And Michael Jackson bought the Beatles music. Interesting fact. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> but you know a little bit about the Beatles, right? Now, they're, they're... I think that's just number one hits, though. I don't think that they could even come close to this guy as far as just total number of hits for as many artists as he's given songs to. I mean, Britney Spears is over 24. That's just one artist. There's no way, and those are some famous songs I, I don't even listen to her, but some of them I recognize the titles. So this guy is on a whole other demonic channeling level of any other music songwriter producer. I didn't even know about this guy. I had no clue until I just listened to this video. Um, he is their, like their god. I mean, Simon Cohen said, uh, America's whatever, got talent. He says he's not human. He's not human. Because nobody can do what he does. It's not normal. Their uh, music, in fact, on their albums, they do a lot of occult. That's yeah. right. They had Aleister Crowley in, the, in one of their album covers, the Sgt. Oh, yeah. Pepper's band. They've yeah. uh, had pictures of them doing like a lot of... Well, they were really intrigued by the Eastern mysticism yes. and the, um, what is it called, Harry Krishna and stuff like that. Right. And so... Yeah, they, 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 uh, John Lennon... Um, said things about Jesus I can't even repeat. The Beatles were evil, blasphemous, and had a lot to do with bringing transcendental meditation to America. And this is why they were why they were tasked with what they were doing and why they were let to get so popular and powerful because um, they were they had a lot to do with bringing the new age movement into the world. The Beatles did. So they were tasked with that and they did a really good job for Satan. It, it, that's that's interesting. I'm, that's all I'm saying at this point. And uh, just another interesting fact: the one below him is also a well-known singer, 
is Mariah Carey. She writes a lot of her own music. Hmm. But this guy writes the music for everybody else. <laughs> wow. Is that strange? So check this out. 25, uh, t- uh, top 100 one hit song, or top 100 uh, number one hit songs. 1998, well, I'll just read through them real quick. Just so, so these we- are the ones this guy produced. Top 25, uh, Billboard Hot 100 number one hit songs, okay? By this guy, this Max guy. Have an idea because I didn't. I didn't just Britney Spears, but let's let's just look at some of the songs. You might recognize these. Some of them I don't. So it's gonna be me in sync. I kissed a girl, Katy Perry. So what? Oh, I kissed a girl. That 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 was a great one. You know, by Katy Perry. Now this is starting in 1998. Baby, one more time by Britney Spears. I mean, just just the titles are really bad. Um. You know, I kissed a girl by Katy Perry, and and I mean, we're talking. Look at the influence. Who's who's influencing this guy to put together these wicked, really insane, unbiblical lyrics? It's sure not Jesus Christ. It is another wicked. Um, it's it's some type of evil, wicked spirit that's obviously emanating and operating through this devil. This is what we're talking about here. My life would. Think without you, Kelly Clarkson. Three, Britney Spears, California Girls. I'm just going to read the titles now. Teenage Dream, Raise Your Glass, Hold It Against Me, E.T. E.T. by Katy Perry. It's extraterrestrial, the one where she's having sex with aliens and bringing that whole concept in, where she goes full slit eyes and she turns into a half human, half like um, Nephilim creature in the video. She goes full reptilian slit eyes in it as well. I mean, I've done two or three videos, two or three audio clips just on E.T. by Katy Perry, breaking that song down. I mean, that song is as wicked as, guess guess who wrote the song? This Max guy. He's the one. Uh, last Friday night, part of me, one more night. We, anyway, I'm going to go on and These on. Katy Perry. Uh, this is... This is probably, uh, you've probably recognized, and I've only gotten to uh, 2012. He's continuing on all the way up to 2022, 2023. I'm sure he's continuing. I mean, that's over 25 years. Over 25 years. Yeah. Now, he's been this, in fact, he was he was doing this with a buddy of his, when he, a buddy of him pulled, pulled him in, and then his buddy died five years into it, and he took over the business. And so, anyway, anyway, this is, kind of shows you this next clip kind of shows you just how much he is um and remember those are just the number one hits those aren't i mean that katie uh britney spears like 23 or 24 just for for that one person okay i mean taylor swift 2012 we're are we ever getting back together by taylor these are all number one 2013 roar by katie perry 2013 dark horse by katie perry another really wicked song 2014 shake it off by taylor swift 2014 blank space by taylor swift 2015 bad blood by taylor swift 2015 can't feel my face by the weekend 2016 can't stop the feeling justin timberlake 2019 blinding lights by the weekend 2021 save your tears by the weekend and ariana grande 2021, My Universe by Coldplay and BTS. Uh, One More Time in 1998 by Britney Spears. And he, I think he listed the rest of the songs, but he kind of skipped over these other ones. I, I just wanted you to be aware, these are just the number one hits this guy has produced. Now, great, I understand he had to have the, the 
the um, demonically infested artists to go out there and do it who already had, you know, were, who were already very famous. But this is what we're dealing with. I mean, it is as bad as it as it gets here. Okay, let's go back to where we were at. Uh, one of the one of the boy bands, or at least three of the boy bands. I, th- I forget if it's NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, but they they do a little funny clip for him the, here. The, he, this guy's from the Backstreet Boys. Max, you truly are the heart and soul of the Backstreet Boys. And they're they're giving this guy praise and accolades during these awards that they're getting. And they're talking to Max. He's in the audience. And Max Martin, this guy that produces all these hits through demonic channeling. And they, I mean, have you, (laughs) I haven't heard one person say a cross thing about this guy. This is not somebody they, they probably mess around with at all. Because I believe a lot of them know their careers hinge on this guy. You heard a song called As Long As You Love Me. It has one of Max's favorites. Uh, wrote the song, produced it. He's like, hey, go sing this. Go sing this. Go sing this. Okay. It shows this Max guy in the audience. He's long-haired, hippie-looking dude. And so we did. So oh, that, wow. so he, he tells him. He tells all these artists how to sing. You know how much control this guy has? Wow. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was him and uh, Katy Perry. Not Katy Perry. Taylor Swift, Swift. worked very close together. And then they they broke up like musically. Mm -hmm. And it was because he wouldn't allow her to write her own songs. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I I would need to be fact checked like to make sure that was the actual reason and that wasn't rumored. Mm -hmm. But that would be interesting if he was that controlling. And this is Taylor Swift we're talking about. She's a prolific writer in the industry. She's written for other people and herself and has had number ones. I find that really interesting for a couple of reasons. Because if this guy is literally getting ideas from a spiritual source and he's like no 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 we're gonna go with my idea like you can't you can't be in control of your own idea here uh that's that's crazy it's almost like you're just replaceable like oh no you're gonna sing this song or you'll just be filled with the next pop star we've got some other one coming and you know they'll do it they really are like on the nsync album cover where they say no strings attached and they got the marionettes like that is showing you that these people are literally puppets like you don't get to be you you're it's gonna be me (laughs) it's gonna be somebody else because you're just an image you know and 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 what's even kind of crazy is like when you listen to the lyrics i've always thought this some of these songs sound like okay they might be talking about a girlfriend (laughs) but they could also be singing this to whatever god they serve right. right yeah I mean, it's like this is a adoration or love song to the devil. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that he seems to be such a floater. He's not loyal to one record, like record label or anything like that. So he has influence over a broader set right. of people because people listen to different things, but he's also in different things as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I dug into this guy a little bit because I wanted to know exactly what, what does he believe? Where, where is he going with all this? And does he is he interested in influencing society? And so he believes that the, the key to producing a punchier, is what he said, key to producing a punchier sound was to wrap it in a greater spiritual understanding. What? Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. What does that so that's mean? that's Max Martin, he was saying that. I mean, so I don't know if he's spiritual or not, or if he, he believes in no, God. he's spiritual. Or not, But <laughs> he, he says definitely the way to produce a... A good quality song is to wrap it in spirituality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's communicating with demonic spirits probably minute by minute. You know, of course his songs are going to have a spiritual aspect to them. 
and how humanity reacts to that, responds to that, is drawn to that. The spiritual uh, we were realm. created yeah. to be that. Uh, you know, exactly. it's like I think the reason why the number one com commandment is worship God, and then, mm. you know, it's like you should have no other gods before you, is because God knows that He designed us to have this just desire to worship. And it's supposed to be to only worship him, but the devil right. sees that and he's perverted that. And so it's like this worship of, you know, celebrities or everything is, mm. is really tapping into like our, our DNA. Mm. And he also says that, that he felt that this spiritual uh, meaning would also help culture. So that mm. tells me, and you got to kind of read between the lines of what he's saying mm. there, but he, that means that he is help culture to, usher usher them into the arms of the antichrist, the false prophet, and into the tribulation. Change culture a little bit by adding meaning to the song that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And look at the titles of the songs: "E.T." by Katy Perry, "I Kissed a Girl." I mean, they're totally causing you to go in a wicked, evil, satanic direction. Yeah, that's how he's trying to change culture eyes understand right mm -hmm. and he we're going to hear uh, from his own words uh what that means in a second but he also said a well-known uh he's well known for taking the rock and roll riffs of the past and bringing them to pop culture using the soft instruments like the synth mm -hmm. and the uh, synth, so I, I mean i think he means like synthesizer uses these instruments with the same beats the same uh, riffs that have been used in in harder so rock. that's why you see okay so uh, it's all I have time to play on this. It goes to about the 55 minute mark. If you want to, I give you the link for that. I want to try to get this other part in. This is life's changing stuff. This builds so much upon what we just talked about in part one and up to this part two. John Todd, who was, I believe was absolutely executed for this information. He was a high level, um, Collins. He was in the Collins family, which Luciferian that was trained up in that um during i believe what probably the 60s into the 70s and then he came out and he got born again he, he became a christian john todd exposes tv the music industry c.s lewis jr token and I'm, i know there's a ton of other stuff he's exposing here but i want to try to get this in it's a very long clip but i'm trying to get it in on this part here but anyway Okay, now, uh, these are remastered. You have to understand, this is like from like late 70s, early 80s. I'm just glad somebody actually remastered these. So the, the audio isn't the best. He's speaking at a church, I believe, in California. And this is one of his things. This is, I mean, this is the life-changing stuff that he's talking about or potentially life-changing for some people. I don't fool around, so I'll just uh, start right out. I can only make you one promise that what I've got to say is the truth. It won't seem that way to some of you. It'll always just seem that I'm either crazy or I'm the biggest liar and, and storyteller in the world. That's what our televisions have done to us. They've gotten us to a plane of mind that we do not realize the real world around us. When I talk in many youth rallies, many of the Christian schools, I start right out by tearing their television and rock idols down by personal experiences that I've had with them in the occult world. And then from there, we try to build them up. Yeah, because he's literally interacted with tons of rock stars from like the 60s and the 70s. I mean, they were literally like uh, subservient to him or he th they interacted with him on a number of different levels. Heroes, the number one being Jesus Christ. But uh, I come from a family that where I grew up having my own heroes. My number one hero was my great, 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 somewhere way back there, grandfather named Francis Collins. Francis Collins owned the first ship that the Puritans landed in here. 
It just so happened that 50% of the people on board were also witchcraft people fleeing from Scotland. And they were called the Collinses. They were all his family, and that's how all witchcraft came to the United States. So when I grew up, I was being trained how great my family was, that it was the second most important family in the Illuminati in the occult world, right. and that someday I'd be very important and so on. So I had my own heroes. And television didn't help much. The reason I'm so down on television is I grew up around the television world, on the insides of it. When I was just a teenager, Hollywood paid for my way out to California so that I could bring a couple diaries that uh, belonged to my family that I had inherited by will as the last male heir of the Collins family. If you wonder why that fits with Todd's, the Collins family changed their name about 100 years ago to Todd to cover up some of the things that they had done. But I'm sure that's why he's John Todd. You will remember the show Dark Shadows. That was the show that paid for me to come to Hollywood to bring the diaries. Now, you have to understand, a lot of these references, especially if you're younger, you're not going to understand what he's talking about. Dark Shadows, and I don't, that was even like before my time. Um, but yeah, one of those like kind of horror shows, like kind of part soap opera, part horror show that got into a dark occult things. That's what he's talking about. The scripts were taken from actual incidences in the diaries. And for instance, Barnabas Collins was based upon a man named Prince Williams Collins, a Revolutionary War hero. When I was growing up in the occult world, we were always taught that we had been somebody else before. It wasn't good enough that we were the person we were now. We always had to be a dozen people that we were before. Right, reincarnation. To deal with this life and all the ones we were supposed to have had before and all the ones we were going to have in the future. Right. And I was supposed to be in France Williams Collins. So I said that's who they based Barnabas on, so I wasn't exactly the nicest guy in the world. I grew up this way when I was 13. I was taken into what is called the... So I guess he was the reincarnation of his ancestor to be trained as a priest in witchcraft that had been like your pastor who just stepped off or better yet more like the youth director or something when i was 18 i was initiated a high priest that would have made me the pastor the same time i became draft exempt i did not have to go into service but a bunch of us smart aleck young i have to correct the pastor not warlocks but wizards and witches went into the army because we felt the army really needed witchcraft it just couldn't get along without us and since the army didn't think that they needed any chaplains that were witches, we just kind of went in on our own. So I went on in, along with a lot of others, and I never did anything, I guess, halfway. I got in Vietnam, found out I liked Vietnam so well, I was willing to re-enlist. In fact, I'd already signed the papers to stay for another tour in Vietnam when I became wounded in the last month of the first tour, and I was shipped back to the United States. My time was almost up, so I was discharged, and the same day I re-enlisted. I asked for Vietnam, and they said because of my wounds that hadn't totally healed yet, I couldn't go to Vietnam yet, so I got Germany. Now, I had re-enlisted for six years, and until the time of my re-enlistment, I always thought that witchcraft was just witchcraft. There was nothing more to witchcraft than just casting spells and that we were smarter than the Christians and other religions because we really knew who the gods were and we were born with special powers because our ancestors had passed them down to us and all the little stories they liked to tell us. Witchcraft was a little different at that time when I first got into it as a, teen, I was a young person. You had to be from a family that had generations after generations of witchcraft. In order to be a COVID member at the time, you had to have three generations at least. Well, the minimum that I had that we could find was seven. So there wasn't any problem, and we knew it went past that where there weren't records kept anymore. 
But uh, plus, he was a really powerful bloodline with the Collins. All witchcraft was, as I tell many people, when you know many of you were raised as Christians, and I guess that's why I can't understand why some of the Christian teenagers are the way they are today. If they were raised in this glorious gospel, why they're so rebellious? I would have given anything to have been raised this way. But uh, when you were learning the 23rd Psalm, I was learning the witches' chant. When you were reading about Moses opening the Red Sea, I was reading J.R.R. Tolkien. When you got Whoa, he was reading J.R.R. Tolkien? I thought that the Christians used Tolkien and all their, the, you know, the movies and all that stuff, and I thought that that was all Christian. We're uh, learning uh, different memory verses and so on, and the four spiritual laws and the Ten Commandments. I was happy to read C.S. Lewis. Of course, I've been greatly surprised that Christians read that too. Oh, I thought C.S. Lewis was Christian. No, it's actually witchcraft. It's actually repackaged witchcraft. Satan's good at what he does. Key and C.S. Lewis or J.R.R. Tolkien in the keyword search box. I've done whole studies on them. Members of the Golden Dawn, the whole nine yards. And this, you know, Satan is good at what he does. And he's been very, very good at infiltrating the church and making something that, putting some Christian veneer on things that are totally wicked and evil. But uh, this is the way I grew up. And this is all I believed in was just that there were mighty gods and we were spatial people. We were their priests and priestesses until I re-enlisted. I went to Germany, spent a month home, went to Germany, spent another month, two months out of a six-year enlistment. One night while taking drugs and drinking, I shot and killed an officer in downtown Stuttgart. Now, if there's one thing that the Army does not like, it does not like its sergeants killing its officers. They have a quick cure for that. They threw me in solitary confinement. And as the court-martial proceeded on, and things began to look like I was going to spend the rest of my life in Leavenworth if I was lucky. All of a sudden, a riot took place in the stockade, and although I was in solitary confinement, other place, people were placed in the cell with me. One of the men that was placed in the cell with me had been scheduled to get out that particular day and was held because of the riot. So I kind of talked him in by bribing him a little that... Uh, if he made a long-distance phone call for me and told certain relatives of mine that I was in trouble, he'd receive some money for it, and I'd be a lot happier. So he called, collect to Los Angeles, and talked to my foster mother, explained what the situation was. And I was sitting back waiting for her to get all these big witches together to cast us on the judges and make all the officers that were trying me think I was a real nice guy and that it was self-defense and everything was going to be fine. They'd just let me off. Now, that's all that I had ever been taught that witches could do. But three days later, my cell door opened there in the solitary. As I stepped out in the light for the first time in 32 days. I heard some very strange words. You are honorably discharged from the United States Army. And the man that was saying them was a senator by the name of William Saxby. He had a congressman with him named Wiley. And he killed an officer as a sergeant in Vietnam, in midst to it, in Stuttgart, where... Or I guess he was in Germany, and um, instead of him being executed or spending the rest of his life in Leavenworth, once he gets this message back to California, he has a senator personally release him, and it's with an honorable discharge. Three or four generals, and they were handing me an honorable discharge. And on the discharge papers, it didn't say I was bad, didn't say that I had been in jail, didn't say anything. It gave me all my time and rank, security clearances that I had in my possession, and didn't explain why I still had over five years to go in the United States Army. 
It just discharged me honorably. So as I took it and didn't want to argue with him and left and went back to the States and arrived at my home in Columbus. This is why these devils get away with murder all the time. This is a great example of how somebody like Trump and these types of people in high-level politics get away with this stuff because they have these types of satanic connections. Now I asked my real mother, I have two mothers, foster mother and a real mother, I said, what type of spell is so good that it makes senators and generals do what you want? And it's a really good spell. I like to learn it. She just looked at me and said, you just don't understand, do you? She said, they're, that what, we didn't cast a spell on them. They're with us. I said, oh, far out. Senators that are witches. She says, no, they just belong to us. And I didn't understand what she was saying. I mean, this was back in like the 70s. They just belong to us. They're not even they're not even witches or warlocks. We just own them. Lock, stock, and barrel. We control them. How much more true is that today? I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I'd like to take my old coven back over and so on. So she handed me an envelope that had been waiting there. She'd explained that there was one there and one in Los Angeles. They didn't quite know where I was going to show up. I opened the envelope. Very intriguing thing. $2,000 in $100 bills. A lot of money. Also was a one-way plane ticket to New York City. I said, well, what's this for? She said, well, you make a reservation. You get on the next plane. You get out of here and you get to New York City and they'll meet you at the airport. I said, well, who are they? And where did this money come from? She says, you get there and they'll tell you and you'll know who's supposed to meet you when you get there. Now, witches are very curious people. That's why when we do some of the most demonic rites imaginable and our hair would stand on end and almost turn snow white overnight from all the spooky things, we couldn't wait to get back in there. We were always curious what was going to happen the next. I think that's why some of the people get on roller coasters and like to be scared to death. It's just the way with the witches. They really spooky things going on. And they can't wait to get back. And this was extremely intriguing. So I got on the plane and I flew to New York. And I got off the plane. Sure enough, no problem with recognizing who met me. I'd read his books for years. In fact, he's the man who first created Christian witchcraft. His name was Dr. Raymond Buckland. Christian witchcraft. Dr. Raymond Buckland. Head of the anthropology department, Columbia University. At that time, he isn't now. Graduate of Oxford University, Rhodes Scholar, handpicked by the Rothschilds to lead the Illuminati form. So I arrived, and he took me to his house, and next few months, he carefully rearranged all my ideas for me. He told me that all the things that I had learned about witchcraft were just stories that we told the lower people. And where I thought there was only three levels and I was as high and as powerful as a witch could go, he assured me there were three more. I guess I should have backed off then and figured if I was lied to the first time, maybe I'd be lied to the second time. But as I said, witches have an incurable curiosity. They've got to find out everything. So I let him train me. He explained to me that since I was a male Collins, I was in the Collins family, that I had a position to take and that there was a board of directors called the Grand Druid Council, which contained 13 of the most powerful witches in the world, and that my place was on that council. And I said, oh, you know, great. When do I take it? And he said, well, somebody just died. I kind of always wondered if he died or they shot him or something. You never can tell in the Illuminati. But uh, he sent me to Los Angeles. I studied for six more months with my foster mother, holding kind of a temporary rank on this council, and then taking up the Colorado Springs and initiated. And I do believe that when I testified here at the last time, I explained who the person was that handed me the ceremonial knife for that ceremony, another senator named George McGovern. You might, before the night gets over, start to realize that Washington 
is as bad as you thought it was. It's worse. But um, the ceremony, by the way, was human sacrifice. And the leader of that ceremony that night was George McGovern. That's why when we did the broken cross, we drew his picture into the broken cross as a person practicing human sacrifice. But after the ceremony, I went down to San Antonio and decided that would be the perfect place. And I moved into San Antonio to watch all the drug traffic in the area, and I was given a 13-state area. That totaled out to about 65,000 initiated witches and wizards, priests and priestesses. Now, that's just the staff of the church. That's not the congregation. So if there's that many ministers in that area, you can imagine what the population is. And California, whereas most of the Grand Druids have many states like I did, I had 13, California has a Grand Druid all to itself because there's that many witches in California. In fact, it's the most populated area in the world for witchcraft. Yeah, and look, look at the wicked fruit that comes out of it to this day, California. And uh, the Bay Area just happens to have the most. Yeah, Bay Area means San Francisco. But anyway, this is where I lived. I only left it eight times a year to attend what we called council meetings. Now, to give you an idea, Monday was one of those council meetings. They hold them eight times a year. May 1st, they held a council meeting. And from our information, they held it in San Francisco. So you were kind of close to it this time. Things went along fine. I enjoyed the money par. I always thought they were kind of weird because they kept talking about controlling the world. And I thought, let's stay back with witchcraft, you know, this, this world government thing. You know, they're a little weird. Witches are never going to control the world. And finally, on August the 1st, 1972. That's always been the goal, like I said. And the, and the backbone of the coming New World Order religion is going to be witchcraft. And he's confirming it going way back into the 70s and way, way back before that. Things changed. Courier from the London Embassy, a member of our United States State Department, arrived with a courier document pouch sealed with the crest of the State Department, brought it through customs, unopened, nobody could touch it, brought it in to San Antonio, and I was hosting the meeting this time. And it was on Latimus, August the 1st. The man came in, laid the pouch down in the temple room up in the casino building, walked out, and left it. He wasn't to know what was in it. The door was locked, security guards were placed on the outside, and Dr. Buckland took up what's called the Atomates, the witch's ceremonial night. He slid open the seal, unlocked everything, and took out six letters. We'd seen letters like this before, no big deal. They had the crest of the Illuminati, which is on the back of your one dollar bill, so you can look at it later. On them, sealed in wax, red wax, the only problem was that the first four were standard business. They only contained checks, you know, I, you know, bribe checks and so on. Usually bribe checks started about $500,000 to give you kind of an idea and work up into the millions. $500,000 back in the 70s. I mean, that is some serious money. Um, when he said August 1st Latimus, um, that is in Scottish and Irish tradition, the feast of, oh my word, Latimus. La Losuna, also known as Lamas Day, um, is one of the foremost important festival days in Celtic countries and originally meant to celebrate Lug's birth. So it's some kind of, you know, cultic type holiday type thing. But then they've got almost all the money in the world. Why should they worry? You spend a $5 bill and you panic. For what a $5 bill feels like to you, a million dollars feels like to them. 
So believe me, they've got the financial strength to do it. The fifth one was totally different. It's very thick, about 30 pages, and it was handwritten. Now, according to the laws of witchcraft, if anything is religious, it must be written in a spatial ink with a dip pen, and the person who's writing it own handwriting. Nobody, you know, you don't dictate it. It doesn't get typed up. Nobody writes it for you. Now, on the Illuminati, the Rothschilds are not humans. They're not the, just the richest family in the world. They are gods in human bodies. More, more or less the counterfeit of what Jesus Christ was when he was on the earth. They're the sons and daughters of Lucifer in human body and his wife and so on. So that this council that I was on is the private priesthood of those gods. And when those gods talk, the priests listen and the priestesses listen, then they tell political people. That's why a handful of witches have so much power over so many political people. Because they're simply just like a tape recorder for some very powerful people that everybody else considers to be holy and to be gods. So we opened this one in Philip Rothschild's handwriting, and it would have been the same to, well, it was like, you know, the gods sent their own private message. So we opened it up. Dr. Buckland started reading it. It's a chart. A friend of mine, Dr. Tom Berry, has placed that chart in a 30-page book, and we're proofing it now, and Dr. Stuart Crane is going to publish it, and we hope to have it in Christian's hands in about three months. I wonder if that ever even got published. I don't know. It's a step-by-step -step plan beginning in 1973 at the first of the year to the end of 1980 to take over the world by taking over the United States. This now, was the plan. I always said that 1984, George Orwell, they meant that to be real. This is more proof that that was the timeline they were actually on. But see, their timeline is in God's timeline. And they've had multiple monkey wrenches thrown into their plans all along. So that's what we're talking about. I think that that's impossible. I've watched the news over the past five and a half years, and they're not only on schedule, but they're a year ahead of schedule. Well, that may have been the case at the time, but again, that didn't happen. The whole 1984 George Orwell thing that they wanted to be reality didn't. I think they had very, very big plans, and they got massively sidetracked. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I told people this five years ago, they thought I was crazy, like a lot of people think now. When I told them that we were supposedly not going to have any fuel, although we were going to have it, and that the gasoline prices were going to go sky high, I even told them a crazy... And all that did happen back in the day. It, it happened back then. ...that the farmers were going to go on strike and the coal mines were going to close down. Now, I wonder where I could have gotten a crazy idea like that. And I was saying it five years ago. Only when I went on the East Coast this time, nobody was laughing because they were getting cut back on electricity and people were only working 20 hours a week because there wasn't any coal. So after reading this, I thought, mm, these people are really crazy. You know, crazier and crazier. But I stopped laughing when I read the sixth letter. It was in Philip Rothschild's handwriting too. Now before I tell you what's in it, I want to say something. The Mormon doctrine and the witchcraft doctrine are almost identical in how the world began. The Mormon doctrine and the witchcraft doctrine are almost identical. Okay, again, we warned against Mormonism last week on, on how the world began, but a lot of other areas too. According to the witches, Lucifer chose his son and his daughter, which were married, to come to the world 
and lead the rest of his little kids down here. Believe it or not, you're supposed to have landed at a flying saucer. And they landed here, and man was just more or less assuming their shape from apes. And they intermarried with man, and that's how, well, the original people were the witches that arrived, and their children became the witches, and the ones that they didn't marry with are the mortals. If you remember Bewitched, you remember the doctrine of, of witches and mortals. Right. And that may seem a little crazy to you, but they firmly believe it. And that Adam, who had the ability to turn back... Okay, so for those that don't know, Bewitched was like a popular TV series back then that literally introduced witchcraft into America on a lot of different levels. It was like a sitcom back in the day into other lies again like everybody else did did not because when the evilness of man settled into the garden and that's why the garden was bad there's no original sin according to witches and lucifer had planned to come and live on this world along with his children but he couldn't because of all the evilness of man and when they say that i almost feel like they want to write christians sometimes the, the way the doctrine goes but Adam would come back to bring peace to the world and to unpollute it so his father could come back. Now that's their doctrine. And when the sixth letter said, we have found Adam to be in the world and he is ready to make peace so that his father can return. I knew enough about revelations in the Christian Bible to say, hey, I'm in the wrong camp. And I asked a very stupid question at that moment. I said, isn't this in the Christian Bible? Now, witches teach that the Christian Bible is an absolute lie created by the God of evil named Jesus. Okay? So when I asked that, I almost got lynched. Sometimes more or less like the Christians like to do when I'm two hours late. i got to get you last somehow. So I said, well, you know, I'm just kidding. Don't worry about it. I was just joking, trying to light things up. They calmed down. I left, did some more drugs. Now, I was doing about $150 a day worth of crystal speed at the time. I weighed about 149 pounds, and I, after looking at some of my rock friends like David Crosby that's doing $200 a day worth of drugs now. Crosby still is a Nash, David Crosby. I firmly believe that if the Lord hadn't saved me, I probably wouldn't have made it another year. At that time, from August the 1st on, for the next 30 days, I thought of nothing but how to get out. But even though I realized that the Christian Bible was telling the truth, it just never dawned on me because of the spirits inside me that if it was telling the truth in that, then salvation and Calvary were real also. So I went on trying to think of a dozen places I could go hide in this world and marking everyone off that they'd find me any place I'd go and deciding that since, you know, if I died, I'd just come back in another life and that wouldn't be too good if they were running the world, so what was I going to do? Finally, God, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to say that because I come from a world that Lucifer has been God too. Finally, the Lord Jesus Christ started moving for this, the best way I know how to put it. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe that my salvation or anybody else's salvation was an accident. I believe in God incident. I believe that God sets in motion the things to bring you about. You still have the choice. But many of you who don't know him tonight... The Lord brought you here, whether you know it or not. Much of you were probably brought here by praying friends and relatives. A man found his daughter, a pastor by the name of Smith, found his daughter, an initiated witch, shortly thereafter. Who had, He told me later, he said, I, I couldn't believe it. Here I was, I went to Baylor University, I was a minister in the Southern Baptist Church, and Baylor did everything but hit me over the head that there was no devil, 
and no witches, no demons in this day and age. Much like many fundamental Bible colleges I know today. Yeah, much like many cemeteries that brainwash their pastors. He said, so I had to re... And that was back in the 70s and 60s. ...all over again. Instead of taking man's idea, I took the word of God. I found that Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, and 20 gave a list of witchcraft in the occult world. And that Acts 16, 16, 17, 18, and 19 gave the power over witchcraft. What its power was and how to handle its power and the power over it. Which is the taking authority over the devil and the demons that are in witches. That's how they get their power. The stronger the witch, the more demons that they have allowed in. When they take a young person and they train them for witchcraft, they give them what's lovingly, I guess, called homework. They give them assignments that they're to do. And the assignments tear down every moral fiber and training that the person has. And just literally, they become a human chalice. They fill up with demons. As they do these things, they break down all the barriers holding the devil back. And when they're done, they have a very programmed, very brainwashed, and very powerful supernatural witch or wizard. So he prayed and he fasted. I heard Jack Howells the other day. I guess I never realized until I heard him how little Christians pray and fast. He's been around a long time and says he's only met a handful of praying and fasting Christians, and I can believe it anymore. But this minister prayed and he fasted. He said, God, let me cross Lance Collins' path. And that was my occult name. He prayed and he prayed, and finally he felt this is the time, and he got up one morning, Saturday morning, a few days before Labor Day in 1972, and he went downtown, and he started going through the occult stores. Now, I'm never in the occult, was never in the occult stores there much. And the one building that I lived in, there were two occult stores in that building, downtown San Antonio. One day, one of the managers that Saturday morning had had an overdose of drugs, was critical and couldn't make it in, and I had to go unlock the place for the sales girl to come in. And I just unlocked and got all the cash fixed up and everything, was getting ready to leave, hadn't been there more than about five minutes, and his pastor came in. I knew he was a Baptist the moment he walked through the door. They carried a big black Bible. You have to be in southern Texas to understand. They don't go any place without a big black Thompson or something like that. They carry Schofields up here. They carry Thompsons down there. As one pastor says, I like a rapid-fire Bible. But he came in, and I remember telling Linda, the girl that was with me, oh, boy, here comes trouble. He walked up, and he said, I'm looking for Lance Collins. And I kind of braced myself, and I said, I'm Lance Collins. Can I help you? And he said, well, I want to tell you about the love of Jesus. I said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You take your Christian garbage and you go somewhere else. I remember the words very distinct. So he started preaching anyway. They figured he was there. He just dug his heels in and opened up. Well, I gave him about two sentences, and the spirits in me took over, and they started cussing. He just kept on preaching. So I started reciting chants, demonic chants, out to block what he was doing. Usually, it got Christians scared, and they ran off. He didn't budge. He stopped, and he said, well, I see, Ephesians 6.12, I'm not warring against Lance Collins, I'm warring against the demons inside him. So, since they want to talk to me, I ordered them to be silent. This is literal spiritual warfare taking place between this high-level witch, who, you know, John Todd, and this Baptist preacher. Jesus. 
and he just started in a very powerful prayer pleading the blood of Jesus Christ and finally ending with this he says I order in the name of Jesus the devil to stop giving you any power of witchcraft and to stop giving you any of his benefits and took one look at me and saw that I was on drugs and said and stop giving you drugs now parents listen to me if your kids are on drugs and you've got a problem stop preaching to them just order the demon inside them and the devil to stop supplying them the drugs. You'd be surprised, we've done it, how fast the pushers and dealers they're getting their drugs from get busted all of a sudden. Try it. It works. And when he was done, he said, now I'm going to pray and fast for you, Lance, until you get saved. And I, I don't know why I said it. I, I just said, you're crazy. I, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. I remember I've told dozens of witches, I'm going to pray and fast so you get saved. Don't do that. One thing a demon does not like is prayer and fasting. He turned around. He walked off. One thing that had intrigued me, I, I kept trying to convince myself that I had shut up to listen to him because he was so weird. But what it was, was simply he had taken authority over the demons, and I had shut up, and I had heard the whole thing. <laughs> I went on upstairs. This is so awesome. I mean, and then, the, you know, the, the Bible verse that a lot of the newer versions have removed, where Jesus said to the disciples when they couldn't cast out a particular kind of demon, he says, this kind go without, no, not by, by prayer and fasting, um, by nothing but prayer and fasting, essentially. So certain types of demon, and you got to think, this is generational Luciferianism here. Okay, um, he would have to have the type of demons that would not go out of him unless someone was praying and fasting for him. Very shaken and not knowing why, very sick and not knowing why. I'd never felt like this in my life. I'd never come up against a Christian like this. Usually I said, I'm a witch, and they couldn't wait to find the nearest bomb shelter or crawl under the bed. I'll tell you what, I haven't met very many Baptists that would engage in this. They normally don't do this. I'm just telling you. I mean, from my experience... Most preachers, Baptist preachers, wouldn't really mess with this stuff. But obviously, this was an exception. Or get the straitjacket out. Well, something about my eyes back then, they never questioned when I said I was a witch. They just took off running. So I went upstairs, took out my drugs, my needle, did a fix. No problem. I had sent all the rest of my drugs out that night, big shipments that we had stored around the area, to other states because we had a huge shipment coming in that night. I said, boy, this will teach that dumb preacher. I ought to go over and drop off a, a kilo of it on his door just to teach him that the devil doesn't exist and I don't get my drugs from the devil and he can't stop me from getting drugs. Besides, there's nothing wrong with drugs. I'm just literally dying eating away from him. See, he was convinced the devil didn't exist, yet he was totally serving him. Wrong with drugs. This is how the young people are today. Their friends are overdosing. I, I talked with people 14 and 15. I said, how many friends have you, do you lose every year? Oh, 10, 20. They overdose on, on angel dust or something, killer weed, different things. But there's nothing wrong with drugs. I had asked one girl why she was so bummed out. She says, well, this is the fifth girlfriend that's ended up in the mental hospital not knowing who she is from taking acid and having a bad trip. I said, do you take it? She says, sure, but I don't have any bad trips. There's nothing wrong with acid. When I get saved... I didn't have a friend that either wasn't in jail or wasn't dead. It'll do you something to you to walk into your friend's apartment and see him laying on the floor, needles still in their veins, and dead from an overdose or from strychnine being added to the drug because they wanted him out of the way. Yeah. I went on upstairs. That's the fruit of that garbage. I did the drug. Not to worry, more drugs coming in. Except midnight, my phone rang and. I was still speeding. I wasn't. I hardly ever slept. Hardly ever ate. Answered the phone. I said, "Yeah, yeah. What's going on?" 
private number I knew it had to be somebody that knew it. And they told me a story that I didn't like too well. We had paid off the Border Patrol. Everything was taken care of, standard run of drugs. Except that night, the ATF had heard that some illegal aliens were coming across the border. They called all the Border Patrol over, you know, from the regular stations and had put on reserve units. And a guy... That was when we actually really had a functioning Border Patrol way back in the day. So spaced out, he had sampled a little of pure speed. There was three huge carts about this big, close to a million dollars worth of speed in the back of the car, just sitting on the back seat with the lid off where everybody could see it. He wasn't worried. Drove up to the thing and the guy wheels out a gun and says, you're under arrest. It's all over in a matter of moments. I'm sure he never even realized what happened. It was all because a preacher took authority over the devil. When I got that call, come flooding back. You know, this guy's weird. You know, here he is stopping my drugs. And I said, no, no, that's just an accident. But it never had happened before. So I realized after you know, calming down about the situation that I was going to be going through withdrawal pretty soon. So I made some local calls. Nobody had anything. Most people around there were on heroin and not speed. So I made some out-of-state calls and finally found in the state of Ohio some of the drugs that we had sent on had arrived and they would get them down there, but it would be like Tuesday morning because of legal police actions they were having up there. But that's too long for somebody on drugs as bad as I was. Sure enough, by Monday night, I almost didn't know who I was anymore. Bound and determined that I was going to get drugs no matter what had to be. I got a handgun with my car, started the car, started the drive out. I was going to go to every area around that I knew if I had to kill the person, I was going to get drugs. And wrecked the car trying to get out of the parking lot. Just got out of the car, left the gun and everything, just sitting there. Started walking down the street kind of in a daze, trying to get myself together and came upon a movie theater. And this is all because that one preacher said, commanded, you know, cut, Lord, cut off all his access to drugs. And it's happening, like, right afterward. That lights attracted me. Just paid my money. Wasn't paying attention to the movie. Nothing. Went on in. Got about three rolls back right from the screen. Here was some idiot up there waving a Bible all over the place and flash bulbs going off. And it was a movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. <laughs> As I got mad about this, what am I into now and stuff, I started getting intrigued with a character named Nicky Cruz. And I guess I probably got everybody in. So God literally led him to a movie that led, from what I understand, you know, a lot, I mean, thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, you know, to the Lord, the cross of the switchblade. Okay, so he ends up in a movie. <laughs> I mean, this is totally God arranging this whole thing. That fitter mad at me because I kept yelling at Dave Walker, so stay away from the preacher, dumb Christian, leave him alone, he's just fine the way he is, all the way through the movie cussing this guy out and telling him to leave Nicky Cruz alone. Finally, something very weird happened. Now, we knew that Christians talked about being born again, but then born again was a phrase used by the Masons and a phrase used by the witches. Didn't mean anything. Right. But we had been taught by the doctrine of astrology, which, by the way, it takes three things to practice witchcraft. Astrology, herbs, and jewelry, or talismans. So witchcraft and astrology I learned from a very early child. One thing I'd been taught was I was born a set personality. The stars had decided what my personality was going to be like. And there was no way, no right in witchcraft, no nothing that would ever change my personality. If I was bad, I was bad. Besides, I didn't consider myself too bad. I mean, I could have always been a Christian. That would have been terrible. So I sat there and I watched him, and he changed. 
he wasn't just as saying, I'm born again. He changed. Now listen to me tonight. If you've walked the aisle and you've given your heart to God, and there wasn't a complete turnaround, a complete change, and you went back to the way that you were five minutes before you walked that aisle, something is wrong. I'm not a Billy Graham that will have you say three words and say you're saved. It's in the fruit. He's even calling Billy Graham out way back then. There's not been a change in your life. Something's wrong. And I got up and I walked out of that theater in utter confusion. Here was another thing that was in the Word of God that was happening. I walked on out. man walked up. About a dozen of us, I guess, were walking out of the theater at the one time. He walked up and he passed one track out. He gave it to me. He turned around, didn't say much. He just said, this is for you. Turned around and walked off. The track was called Bewitched. Oh. I sat there and I read. I said, hmm. Yes, that's an old chick track. I don't think they still make it. I used to have one or two. And it was about, I think, the Bewitched, maybe had something to do with the Bewitched sitcom. Um, I mean, I just have chills listening to this. Just his testimony. And it's just so awesome. Praise God. This guy's pretty smart. He says that Bewitched was put on by the witches. Well, I knew that. My foster mother was one of the producers. Yeah. I practically grew up on the sets. The, the set of Bewitched. He knew it was about witchcraft. There, and I watched the rest of the track. Ouija board being run by demons. Well, we knew that. That's why witches didn't use Ouija boards. We let the Christians use it. Right. So <laughs> I read on. But the one thing I could not get over was this hell thing with the flames and the devil. Because witches don't believe in the devil. Satanists do, not witches. So I said, ah, oh, this guy's so right, but he's probably just a dumb Christian. Threw it in the water, walked on. Started going to go back to my apartment, got in the casino building, heard the music coming from one of our nightclubs there called the Club Aquarius, decided to go on over. Nobody there that I knew except the staff, so I went on back and locked the door to the manager's office, and I sat down. I said, i got to think this thing out. I'd like to talk to a Christian. I was talking to a man on the phone today, Jack Chick, and he was going over all the people that he had found and his investigations that were on the Illuminati paid role that were ministers, supposed to be fundamental ministers. And this is Jack Chick, the guy that uh, he passed away not too long ago, that uh, Chick tracks, the ones I use, the, the ones I put out at gas, to this day. So evidently he talked with him personally. And I said, yeah, I know Jack. As I sat in that manager's office that night, he knew my testimony. I said, my biggest problem was I spent two hours trying to think of a pastor in the town that we did not have on our payoff. Oh. Well, there were pastors. That's why I didn't know them, oh. because they weren't on our payoff. And finally, I remembered that just the night before. Well, that was back in the 70s, 72. And most of the pastors in San Antonio were on their payroll, the witches' payrolls. I mean, uh, uh, unreal. One of our witches, which was a prostitute in the area, in downtown San Antonio, had come in screaming in the Club Aquarius, and I wasn't in the mood to hear any screaming, particularly from her at the moment, going through withdrawal. But she was complaining that she was going bankrupt. And what the problem was, was her area was over by the Greyhound bus station, and she'd be over there prostituting, and some idiots from a Christian coffee house would come over and preach to the guys, and she would proposition them. That could really put you out of business. I mean, no serviceman's going to walk off with a prostitute with somebody telling them about hell at the same moment. So she decided we had to do something about the place, and I told her to get lost, but I remembered it. And I said, well, that's only eight blocks away. It's only two in the morning. Nobody'd be in bed at two in the morning. Which is a night, people, you know. Took off walking on over there. The place had a reputation of its own. 
Just three months earlier, it had been a burlesque place, a show bar with strippers in it. Baptist preacher said, enough is enough. We don't need this down here. He goes in, jumps up on the bar stool, up on the bar, shoves two strippers in the middle of their act off the bar, and starts preaching. Fifteen minutes later, the two strippers have pulled the curtains down off the wall, wrapped them around them, kneeling down at the bar, giving their heart to the Lord. They're still Christians to stay, by the way. I, I know them. The man and woman that owns the place is praying, giving their heart to the Lord. Three members of the four-piece band are two of the three bartenders and about 15 of the customers. That's a quick revival. I like That's it. the power of God. That quick. So I went on over there. Now, they had turned the time, the deed to this place when they got saved. This is what I mean about a change in your life. They could have rented the building out. They took the deed and they gave it to one of the Baptist churches in the area and said, do what you want with it. Just turned it into a Christian coffee house. What better way? So I went over, opened the door, and it was supposed to close at midnight according to sign, but the door was unlocked. So I went on in, and one guy was there, bent over the Coke fountain. You know, they trained, changed the booze over for Coke. That's what some Christians haven't done. And he was sitting there working on the Coke fountain, and I went in, and we started talking. And he started witnessing to me. Now, I have nothing against the four spiritual laws or any set plan like the Roman trail or anything like this. They, they're fine. They've won thousands of souls. But that particular plan didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't even interested in it. Because for mainly, I didn't believe totally the Word of God. And I wanted something that would deal with my immediate problems. And I wasn't hearing anything. Finally... He realized that he needed some help, so he called up his pastor. Now, as everybody knows, nobody calls their pastor at 3 in the morning, do they? No, just all the time. So he called him up, and the pastor says, Well, we've been praying and fasting for this guy along with some other churches. We'll get right on us. I imagine he probably called up a bunch of people. And he come back and he said, Now, Lord, this is out of my hands. The man's name was Claude Elmer. He said, This is out of my hands. I don't know the first thing about witchcraft. I don't know the first thing about the devil's kingdom. But you do. And he quoted Luke uh, chapter 10, where the Lord had saw the devil fall from heaven, and we had power over the devil. And he said, now you were there when it happened. You educate me right now. What scriptures do I give this man? And he said, I'd like to read you something. And he opened his Bible to 2 Timothy 1.7. It is the best scripture in the world to witness to anybody in the occult. Because when you're in the occult, there's one thing that you do not have. You do not have a mind without fear. Mm. 24 hours a day. You live in a nightmare world and you try to convince yourself by brainwashing yourself that you're not unhappy. And he sat there and, and he that's said, why they're on drugs. Because they're trying to escape reality. They're trying to escape the demons that are dogging them 24-7. The deeper you go in, the more the hooks, the demons get into you. So you have even less peace and you have more fear. God can remake your mind and take away the fear. And when he said, take away the fear, I said, let's get with this thing right now. And he started praying with me, and he led me in a prayer of salvation. And I remember when I closed, I said, Lord, I want your forgiveness. I want to miss hell. I believe in it now. But I want you to take this fear out of my life. And I said, they're shaking. Scared to death. Somebody's going to walk through the door anytime and see me in this place and report me. I said, Lord, take the fear away. And when I got up out of there, I didn't have any fear. In fact, I walked back, went right on in my apartment, sat down, took a Bible with me. And when I went down the next day, I was reading the Bible, walking into the occult store. The fear was so far gone, I was got myself killed. When God does it, He does it right. And we've been trying to minister to people in the occult for a long time. We've really been spinning our wheels for five and a half years.
We've gotten about 500 people saved. About 50 of them have been killed. When I was here last, we've been in prayer for two weeks about a new idea that we felt would work. And that was a retreat for the occult to go to. This Monday, on their New Year's Day, could have been arranged better. We didn't do it on purpose, but it was perfect. While their grand druids were meeting, our rehab center opened. First candidate is already in it. Right now, coming from Maryland, is a girl that's the second most powerful person that had ever left the Illuminati. Philip Rothschild's own girlfriend, teenage girlfriend, leaving, left of the occult from the 11th richest family. They found out about the house going to be open before I guess our... the audio got cut off there for a sec. ...and to release the news through Chick Publication tracks and the phone numbers to go with it. Yeah, he was working closely with Jack Chick at this point, evidently. Um, so that's, wow. ...ever came out. They're not even off the press yet. And the occult world already knows and is calling hotline numbers that aren't even published yet. They somehow found the numbers. Another girl was saved two days ago. I don't even know who she is. I'm holding my breath because she knows me. Jack Chick got a call today. So the girl walks into a Christian bookstore and says, I hear John Todd's still alive. The guy said, yes. He's been alive for five and a half years. And he said, yes. Well, if he can be alive for five and a half years, I can be alive for five and a half years. I want to become a Christian and get out. <laughs> now, that is sweeping. That type of news is sweeping. You may not understand what that means. But if you were in East Berlin trying to get to West Berlin and there was a wall of death between you, you'd know what it means. If they tore that Berlin wall down, you can imagine the East Berliners, how many would be flooding to West Berlin. Well, that wall of fear and death that the Illuminati has so strongly built up has just been shattered. We have done in the last... Now, this, had, this might have had a ton to do with what pushed back their plans. I mean... If this many people were getting saved, and I do not believe this man is a liar, I mean, Rothschild's personal girlfriend, high up, that had to throw a tremendous monkey wrench into things. And this is what I'm saying. This is really, like, these series of audios that he did, I don't even think we're going to realize how important they are until, and, and how much it probably pushed their the Illuminati's timeline back until we're on, like, the other side. Um, it's amazing. Things on purpose that they have promised the occult world would never happen. Isaac Bonowitz, the Rothschild's own enforcer and one of those 13 top witches, lives in Frisco. He promised that the number one witchcraft city in the United States I would never preach in, San Francisco. Right. We preached there two Sundays ago. Nice. He's got a lot of explaining to do. And the word is getting around. We need your prayers. There's a revival breaking open in the occult world now. They've gotten the word. There's a way out. I'm just going to have to start praying for three or four more buildings. Because if this car load gets here, we're not going to have much more room. we got a four-bedroom house. It can fill up pretty quick with a bunch of witches in it. So, by the way, we need your prayers just for that. You've never been in a situation where you have about 15 witches all around you at one time, all with different problems. My poor wife, she couldn't come with me tonight because she's setting up trying to get this one girl through it right now. So we do need your prayers. I want to thank the people who did take envelopes and send them. I think something like 500 envelopes were taken that night and we received them. But those 10 helped get that house open. And I want to thank the people who sent them. But I'm asking your prayers. We need your prayers. Now, as the pastor comes up, I want to say a couple words. You may not be in witchcraft. You may not think that this 
message has anything to do with you. But you're missing the whole point. I was in a world where it was impossible to become a Christian, and Jesus made me one. I was by one of the girls that I used to live with when I was in the occult world recently. She was at a very important witchcraft meeting that we happened to find out about, and I pulled into the parking lot for a few minutes to see who was there. And she walked by the car and had a couple of Christian brothers with me. She looked in the car and just smiled and kept on walking, never recognized me. That's the difference between the way I am now and the way I was then. When the Lord changes you, He totally changes you. Now, we give our testimony for several reasons. To show that no matter what, whether you were raised a Christian and you, you know, all your life, or you were raised in the worst frame of life, it's still the same miracle. God still saves you just the same. Sometimes I think it's harder to get the PKs and the Christian kids saved than it is the wishes. But at the same time, we try to flag you down from going the same direction we went, with drugs. You'll never know the feeling to lose so many friends that should be with you today and so many loved ones because of drugs that we kept convincing ourselves was all right. This isn't some preacher getting up here and telling you that's never been in it. I wished I had a half hour to talk about the worst thing that the occult world ever planned out and carried out. That's called rock music. But I'm going to say two quick things. Parents, the rock music does not belong to you. your kids. If your kids are in your home, it belongs to you and you're answerable for it. And if you want to believe they're garbage, that it's all right, and you want to forget things like Kiss saying that their real name is Kings and Satanic Service, and that rock music is actually satanic spells being cast and being planned by the Satanist Church, and that's a direct quote, then you go right on ahead. Right now, the Manson, one of the Manson family girls is in trial, and she said the number one thing that the occult world used to brainwash them was Beatle music and rock music. Beatle, Beatles music, and we talked about them earlier. It's one of the main things that they were used to bring in the brainwashing, the satanic brainwashing. We talked about that, the, and that's why I linked all this together, because it's all related, both parts one and two, super important stuff. If you want to leave it in your home... I won't go into details why you can't, but if you want to leave it in your home and all the demons that it attracts, exactly. fine. It's bringing cursed objects into your home, rock music, that type of stuff. It has devils and demons attached to it. You need to get it out of your house. You, want your kids you need to burn it, preferably. The buffalo you that it's all right, but I recommend you go home today, get a cardboard box, and break the records. Yep. And burn those covers yep. and get it out of your you have home. To understand, back then they had records, okay, like... LP records, okay? So it's a little different now. I don't, you know, a lot of it's digital, but just get it out and, you know. You'd be surprised at how fast your kids come around after they finish throwing their two-year-old tantrum. But I wish that I had the time more on rock music, but believe me, it is the work carefully planned out in the occult world. We spent $8 million to produce Jesus rock music and paid the man who started it named Chuck Smith. He paid... Those millions of dollars to start the Christian rock industry, the high-level occultists, and they paid Chuck Smith to do it. I mean, this is bombshell. This is why I did that teaching against that revolution movie and the Jesus freaks and and that type of hippie thing. Where oh, this is Christian when there's all kind of red flags connected with it. Just because Christians were destroying rock music and we were afraid that it would be banned from the Christian church. So we carefully put it in the form of Christian rock music. So if they would spend $8 million to keep rock music in your hands, then the hardcore rock must be even worse. Oh, yeah. And it is. I'm going to... Okay, Pastor. 
I don't mind. I drove all day so I could say these things. I have a, I was the manager of Zodiac Productions, which Zodiac Productions' name has been changed since then. I'm not even sure what they call it now, but it's the largest music conglomerate in the world. It owns RCA Records, Columbia Records, Motown Records, owns almost all the concert booking agencies in the United States. And that's not even the, the name of the company that owns it. The name of the company that owns it is Brenner Enterprises, and Brenner Enterprises is owned by Chase Manhattan, Chase Manhattan's owned by Standard Oil, and Standard Oil is owned by the Lords of London. <laughs> you can track it on back. Oh, man. You kind of get the idea after a while. It's all but I was the managing president of Zodiac Productions. It was one of my jobs as being one of these 13 people. Thus, I got to know many of the people who produce music and sing the music and play the music that you play. Recently, one of the top people in rock music from the group, um, um, I can't think of the name of the group now, it's one of the top rock groups still in existence that's been around a long time, was just saved. And he told how when they play in their concerts, they would control through witchcraft spells in their mind the people to do different things in the audience. And if they'd work the audience up, not with their music, but with their mind and their music combination. Now, one of the closest friends that I got during that time that I obtained was a man named David Crosby. Crosby, Still Nash and Young. And I saw Crosby, David, Stills, Nash and Young. The day before Christmas last year, I talked with him. I got him away from this witch that he had with him. He told her to go shopping. We were in West Hollywood, and I was witnessing around to people that I knew. We went off in this store, and we started talking. I said, David, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. I said, I already know the answers, but I've been gone for five years. I'd like to know if certain things are still the way they were when I left. I said, do they... Now, I'll have to explain some of this when I'm done. You're not going to understand it all unless you know something about music. I said, do they still take the master to the temple room? Dave said, yeah. I said, they the master, the master recording to the temple room. Back then, it was it was like a record master recording, and they would take it to the temple room, and then they would perform ceremonies. The Colvin conjured demons into the master. He said, "Of course." I said, "Now I got to know something." What's so the they have a coven conjure demons into the master, and they would, then they would make all the other copies that were put out that people bought from the master, and there was devils attached to the master that was that was recording all the other ones reason for rock music. He said, come on, Lance, you know what the reason is. I said, please, David, I don't want to guess. Tell me what the main reason is. He said, the same as when you were in, so that we can place spells on people that we couldn't cast spells upon. I'll explain what that means in a minute. I said, okay, one last thing. I've been hearing that you must be an initiated witch now to get a record contract. He said, that's right. He said, many of us that weren't total witches have to be witches now in order to produce music. I said, thank you. The master is a tape about as big as the top of this podium that looks like an overgrown 8-track that the album is cut on and is placed in a machine that produces and presses the records and the 8-tracks and cassettes that you buy. After it's been recorded, it's taken in. This is why a master is cut months in advance before it's released. On the full moon, it's taken in to a temple room about the size of this auditorium that is in every one of the major music companies behind locked doors up in the executive offices. And it's placed on an altar, sitting in the north of the room, and a pentagram engraved in the floor. And 13 hand-chosen witches and witch wizards and a coven come in and conjure a principality or a power up, usually Regia or something like that, and order him to tell the demons under him to follow every record and every tape coming off of that master. As I tell many Christian parents, you can go home and count your kids' records, probably yours too, 
and count how many demons at least are there. If that's too hard for you to believe, I'm sorry. That's why they do it. Now listen to me. This is why rock music's addicting. Have you ever seen kids that got rid of their music, they go around like this. They can't wait to find a rock station somewhere and they sneak off just like getting a cigarette or a fix because it's addicting. That's why they can't give it up. The rest of the conversation was this. You can't cast a spell on a Christian, but you can get a Christian to cast a spell on themselves. If you give the permission for the spell to work, being a Christian won't block it. And rock music is not just a song. It is supernatural music that which is carefully designed by their spirit guides or familiar spirits in the form of spells. Now, although the devil's music's power is the music and God's music is the words, much of the songs are written in what we call witch language. Give you kind of an idea. You talk, on, many of you talk on the CB, unless you know what you, what a smoky is, and uh, a 10-4, and uh, uh, a front door and back door and rocking chair and these type of things, you don't know what you're talking about. He's talking like when you talk on a CB back in the day, a CB radio, like Breaker Breaker 1-9, Good Buddy, that type of stuff. Same with witches. When you're in the first or second level, you have to learn over 2,000 words that said by anybody else means something totally different than when you say them. Elton John has said he's never written a song or sung a song that wasn't in which language. Mm. And I want to show you something. See how many kids in here will be honest and adults. How many remember and have heard at least several times a song called Hotel California? Somebody tell me what it meant. Right. By, the, by the Eagles. It's, it's one of the second most, uh, I don't know, like popular song of all time in the rock genre i think stairway to heaven both of them were written um i believe through automatic writing both of them if you do back masking meaning you play them backwards there's all kind of satanic stuff that comes out quickly tell me tell me what it meant huh that's pretty close but from the words what did it mean well that's more of a guess see most people can't tell you that's why when people do drugs and they listen to songs in which language they get some of the meaning but most of the time, they can't tell you. Stop and think how many songs are out there that you really like, and you don't have any idea what the person was talking about. Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, how about The Destroyer by Kiss? Can anybody tell me what it's about? Kiss said in it, kids, kill your parents. They're talking about Helder Skelter. Beatles sung Helder Skelter. Kill your parents, kids, on the song Destroyer by Kiss. Language nobody knew what it meant. Manson did because he belonged to the process. Helder Skelter is a several-thousand-year-old several word, and they're believing that it's going to happen in a year from now, from this very date. Right. But Most it didn't, obviously. The music is either about Helder Skelter or a place called the Night Winds, which is what Hotel California is about, and different doctrines of witchcraft. You listen to them, your parents let you listen to them, and they have no idea. Kiss openly bragged how they were gaining control of people through their music because the people played their music. They told how they didn't form their own group. Their church, because they were ordained ministers of the Satanist church, placed them together. And that's how most of the music is done. David Crosby, when him and Crosby still and young, produced the record Two-Way Street. They ordered the Principality of Medes to order demons of rebellion to go into the record, and everybody that heard it would be rebellious against law and order and government. And it was one of the reasons for the great upheaval in the 60s was that one album. And they take open credit for it. I can go on all night, but that's mainly it. Parents, get this stuff in and destroy it now. I guarantee you, your kids will straighten up. They may pout for a while, but they'll straighten up. <laughs> okay. Sorry it's so late.
All right. We've had live action here. We're a bunch of nine owls now. <laughs> this ain't nothing. Uh, <clears throat> how many of you believe he knows what he's talking about when he talks about rock music? Huh? Not enough of the kids, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Well, I sincerely believe he knows exactly what he's talking about there. Um, and I hope you'll listen to him. I hope you'll hear where he's coming from. And if you continue to listen to that junk, where you're going. We just cannot tolerate it as Christian people in our homes. You can't stop it from being played and sold all that, but we can't tolerate it. Uh, you mentioned a time or two the Illuminati. Could you, in just a few words, summarize what you understand the Illuminati is? Okay. Many people call it the Great Conspiracy, which is kind of true, but actually the Illuminati is about a thousand conspiracies all running at one time. Therefore, a lot of them backfire. But it was formed about a hundred years before its original birth date. The birth date is May 1st, 1776, which is always start everything on May 1st. That's why even the communist birthday is on May 1st. That's their New Year's Day. But it means the holders of the light or the light bearers. Now, witches have another name for it, too. Since it is a death penalty to use the name the Illuminati, you must say Mariah, which means the conquering, destroying wind. But its belief is that Lucifer is God and that everything else is imposter, and that Lucifer can bring peace to the world by his lifters or upholders conspiracy. And they're going to conspire and conspire and conspire till they have a world government. Sometimes I wonder why they could be so dumb that they're doing exactly what is going to lead to their destruction. But then that's usually how the devil is. He keeps everything in darkness. But that's the Illuminati. It's a world conspiracy, and I might add, an extremely powerful one. The occult is, is its religion. Now, many of you are doctors, lawyers, mechanics, construction workers, businessmen, whatever. Most of you are Christians and Baptists, okay? But he's your minister, or at least if you're from this church. And the Illuminati, they all have jobs. But the witches are their ministers. But they're all Luciferians. The witches are the ministers, and they're the church members, and the religion is Luciferianism. Now, the real Illuminati, the organization itself, is financially powerful and politically motivated. Through their finance, they have an old witch's room, which is kind of a saying, a poem. They say, let the kings be kings, let the bankers be bankers, and let the priests be priests. Translated, it simply means that it doesn't matter who rules, as long as the bankers have the money, they'll own the person who rules, and the priest will run the bankers. That's the Illuminati. You mentioned John, uh, some publication you said might be on about three months. What, what is that again? It's called Riot and Revolution. It's by Tom Berry, a classmate of my pastor, Roland Rasmussen, graduate from Bob Jones, a doctor in divinity. And it, it takes the plan of the Illuminati for Helter Skelter and gaining control of the world. It takes some of my testimony to justify it. And then it gives an answer to Christians what to do during Helter Skelter. Now, where did the material come from and how did he get it? Some of it came from me, and some of it came from another minister named Joe Boyd. Some of it came from Jack Howes. He's gathered. Also, he had about 20 pages of notes when I met him, which he said he gained by going through about 2,000 books. And they were on the Illuminati and the Bilderbergers. Okay? Yeah. Satan worshippers believe in Satan, uh, which is the lower three levels believe in God or else God's self in EFT and so on. They believe in plural gods, like the mother goddess Isis and so on. Or, the higher levels are Luciferians, which believe in one god, and the minor gods being in the Rothschilds. Okay? That's the difference. 
You mean the average uh, witch is not taught that there is such a being as Lucifer or oh, the no. devil? Uh-uh. Well, for one, when you believe in Lucifer, you don't believe it's the devil. Okay. Uh, no, they believe in the mother goddess, which is called by many names, as the poem about her goes, Diana, Isis, Asherah, which was the female side of Baal. And they believe, actually it's Baal worship, there was a male and female god. Asherah, and, uh, and then the horned hunter of the night is the way he's portrayed in all countries, which is more or less kind of the underworld god, the devil, or whatever. Okay, all right. Anybody with a question or two before we, we're going to take a love offering here. There's no difference. What was his question? The difference between rock music and soul music. There's no difference. Okay. All right, some other question. In the back. They didn't come up with it. That, that was about a hurricane that somebody named Mariah. Okay? Yes. Yes. In the Satanist church, Christ and Jesus are the same person. Okay? No, that's the teaching. In the Satanist church... Christ, Jesus Christ, and Satan are the same person. That's the Satanist belief. And the Luciferian, they believe that Jesus Christ is the God of evil. Okay? Like we would feel about the devil, they feel about Jesus. And Lucifer, they feel towards him like we'd feel about Jesus. That's what they teach. Okay? Oh, Dave? I don't know what he said, but it must have been good. Well, a pastor didn't leave me. A Christian worker led me to the Lord. Uh, the person that helped rehabilitate me was Jack Taylor, but he wasn't around much because he, he was a pastor. He had to run around the country speaking. It was actually his music director and the youth director. Ann Rowitz was the youth director, and the music director was Malcolm Granger. And I stayed with Malcolm, and him and his wife worked with me, and the music, I mean, the youth director worked with me quite a bit. But I don't envy him. I sit back now, and I guess I kind of blocked my mind out how bad I was. But watching all these kids go through rehabilitation, Man, that was no easy job. They had to be on their knees a lot, I'll tell you. Black Sabbath. Come up, music group or a Black Sabbath? Well, the music group got its name from it. A Black Sabbath is a witch's Sabbath, okay? It comes eight times a year. Beltane, right, you get the first part, Bell. Beltane is their New Year's Day. That was May 1st, okay? Halloween is Shaham. That was also one of theirs. There's eight of them, okay? And they come around the year and... It's more or less their big party day. They're super, super day. Now, if they're in the human sacrifice, they also do human sacrifice at the time. But it's a big time to have an orgy and a big drug party and this type of thing because everybody wiped out. That's the witch's Sabbath. No? Well, not the Satanist church, but the witchcraft church is. Uh, a very, very powerful witch has a song out about witchcraft now called The Force. His name is Tom T. Hall. Uh, I just heard very sick song recently, somebody let me hear. It was by Tammy Lynette, and it was talking about Jesus Christ appearing on um, Midnight Special or something like Saturday Night something. Anyway, I'm afraid that if he appeared on that rock show, he'd probably bring the Cat of Nine Tails along with him. But um, there, some of the music, if it wasn't for witchcraft being behind rock music, I'd hate the country the most. Because I don't see how Christians can listen to it when it's talking about adultery, fornication, getting drunk, cutting people up, running around with everybody else's wife, and things like this. And that's all I ever hear on it. Okay? Well, mm-hmm. well that's what they were referring to. Yeah, they did. No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay? I believe uh, Vic and Russ. Mm-hmm. Human sacrifice? Uh, that's pretty... The occasion. Oh, well, the occasion was on a Sabbath. Okay? That particular Sabbath happened to be... Uh, February the 2nd, Candleman. 
Okay. Uh, what about, what was the rest of it? Well, it's done, that particular one was done because of an initiation ceremony that was being done. Mine. But most of the COVID's just practice eight times a year if they're in the blood sacrifice. Uh, like, uh, see, the lower witches believe that the power for witchcraft comes from orgies and sex. The higher witches believe it's attained by human blood. Okay? Russ, how many of you had your hand? It's a revolution that they have planned within the United States. Most people feel that something like that will never happen in the United States. They're lying to themselves. It will happen. And it's not very far off. Well, by 1980, there'll be... Helder Skelter's only in a And, and few again, it, you just see how far everything got pushed back, though. I mean, we haven't quite had it happen yet, but we, yeah, we're probably closer, or we are closer now than ever. Okay. The excuse is to be able to declare martial law. That's the whole reason exactly. for it. Yeah. They promised the one side that they will be able to gain control of the United States through revolution, when the whole time is they're just simply setting them up to be able to declare martial law and suspend the Constitution. And by 1980, they plan on being under martial law. Now, I'm not saying, don't all of you start lynching me at one time. I didn't say it was going to happen. I said, this is their plan. Okay? Right. I'll leave it up to your own prayer life and watching the newspapers whether it's going to happen or not. Maxine. Yeah, and, and then there was all of a sudden a lot of Christians, thousands, dare I say, praying about these things. They had no clue to pray, what the things they had no clue to pray for before. And look what happened. This whole timeline got pushed back decades. I understand that was the hand of God, but I believe it was. It was uh, moved by the power of prayer as well and fasting. Just like most other cults, the, see, Jesus Christ requires just one way, only one way. The devil will use any way to keep your eyes off that one way, okay? And he uses the same tactics wherever it branches to. I have no idea if the, they, he came out after I got out. I have no idea. They were backing groups like him before, the Krishners and so on. I can't see much difference between them and those two groups. So they probably back him too. Okay, Mike and then Bob. Yeah, the Council of Foreign Relations. Now, and it's uh, it's inner brainchild that runs this. It's called the Trilateral Commission. Okay. Okay, yeah, Bob and then Barbara. Yeah, there's seven principalities, about uh, 200 powers. Then it starts getting down into lower people we never pay attention to, the lower spirits. Barbara. Yeah, um, I want to go all just recently about three weeks ago in April, the day before Jack Howe came to our church to speak and the day after he left, I came, uh, both times I came walking out of the church at Faith Baptist. One time I got in my car, started to drive off in the parking lot, about 30 people were standing around and a passing car opened up on us with a gun. And then that was Sunday night. Then Wednesday night of that week, I was walking out into the parking lot prior to the church letting out with a couple of brothers. And when we dug the bullets out of where they hit, they had fired twice at us, and the bullets were 44 caliber, 44 magnum. So they don't play around. And the range was so close, it was from the back of that wall to here. You know that the Lord is in it. It really makes you appreciate his divine protection, let me tell you. Bruce? That world takeover plan ended with World War III. But one of the teachings is that when Lucifer sets up his kingdom, okay, that through World War III, most of the civilized world as it exists now will be in rubble. And the one protected capital that they have purposely kept all missiles away from, from both sides, is Jerusalem. And they plan on using Jerusalem to set up from there, okay? Do they believe that Adam's original home, or the Garden of Eden, rests where Jerusalem is? So, that's going to rule from there. 
Michael and Robin, but maybe <laughs> very quick. Uh, the church that I attend, and remember, I was Faith Baptist in Canoga Park, Dr. Rasmussen. Uh, the work where it's at, the house, has got to remain a sound. Okay, sorry, I, I had my speaker ran out of uh, juice, so I had to charge it. I'm going to try to get this last five minutes in here. Well, all of our church walk around, people trying to find out where it's at, and everybody, shh, it's like the unspeakable secret. Okay, everybody knows, but nobody says. He was a member of the Process Church of the Final Judgment, which in California is called Universal Trump Tri Church Triumphant Summit International. That's Charles Manson he's talking about. Like big names. Okay, let's see, Randy? <clears throat> Not anymore. I try to keep out of communication as much as possible with them. Um, my foster mother has a huge contract on my life, and my brother's trying to collect it, so I try to stay away from him. Yeah, they're trying to kill him. I mean, it, you know, that's... By the way, Randy, you cannot... Right, back in the day, yeah. ...communicate with them. You communicate with demons. They imitate them. They cannot speak to you. Let's see. Uh, yes, brother. All I could... You mean in counting all eight Sabbaths they last year, from May, May 1st to May 1st, probably 500, and that's only a guess. I'm probably way under. Dwayne has uh, one of his books, Chick Publication, I believe it is, and in the, it's made up like a comic book. It tells you, here's Broken Crop. That's the one I wrote. This is the one that tells you one of their main methods of how they get victims to offer up in blood sacrifice. All right, Robin, I think we better let this be it. Give me about a minute on this here. Chick Track has three different uh, comic books that they did on him. And they are, you, I believe you can still get these, I, I think, um, at chick.com. Spellbound, Angel of Light, and Broken Cross. Okay, if, if you want to know more about his story, there's that. And I'm going to give you try to give you something at the end, but I'm, I'm so far over on time, I just hope I can upload all this. Uh, let's go back. <clears throat> Okay, you heard at a Christian school. What one? Oh, okay. You heard that C.S. Lewis was a Christian, right? Okay. First of all, Christian accelerated schools has what I'm about to tell you have investigated what I said. Christian accelerated education, and because of it, are now ordering all their schools to ban Lewis's work. So they, at one time, there was Christian a Christian school group that were banning C.S. Lewis's group because they checked out what he said, what I've covered in my teachings. Of course, I was way later, but and found out that it was absolutely truth about C.S. Lewis that he was an occultist and probably a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn and, and horrible stuff. So, I mean, obviously, it's been reintroduced, but checked into it very carefully. So did my pastor because he was getting hit very hard with it. He found everything I said to be true. When a wish is ready to be initiated, she must not just read, but she must study the complete works of Lewis, fictional works. Lewis has said that the way to God is like a hallway with many doors. They all lead to him. Okay? <laughs> now, the fictional works of Lewis are very real to witches. They're not fictional. They're history to witches. They really believe them. Okay? They believe their guidelines. Now, Lewis was a member of the Golden Dawn. Yes. Now, that's been proven along with a fellow brother of the same coven named Tolkien. I got a whole teaching I've done on Tolkien and, and him. Two different teachings where we get in the member. Just key in C.S. Lewis, Tolkien. You'll find, I believe it's like four parts I've done on this. With, with supporting PDF documentation. They were in the same time. Now, the Golden Dawn is the private church that the Rothschilds must pick every member of that church personally. <clears throat> in London. The oldest coven in the world. Wow. Okay? That's Lewis. 
whether he says he's a Christian or not, that doesn't mean anything. That's where Christians are making their terrible mistake. Could it be that he was like that, and like you said, he got converted, now he is no longer that? He would have had to tell it. When Lewis' name was on the Golden Dawn records right up to the time that I got out. I mean, there's no betrayal there. He never did leave them. He okay? never did leave the Golden Dawn. I want to say something real quick that will answer this. Many people supposedly are getting saved from the Manson family and from other things. Let me tell you something real quick so you, there will be no misunderstanding. You come out of the occult, you come out of the Masons, you come out of anything in the Illuminati, there's one distinct thing. Anywhere there's a vow of secrecy, that vow of secrecy must be broken. Amen. Not in part, complete. When somebody breaks their complete vow of secrecy, they're out. But until they do, they're not out. Okay? Charlene, this is it. That's right. Then the double one? Which is language? That's exactly right. <laughs> Okay. Did you hear his question? How do Masons relate to all of this? Okay. How do the Freemasons relate to all this? Closely, the Masons. Council 13 is the highest council in the Illuminati. The council right below it is the Council 33. That's called the Grand Masters. There are the 33 highest Masons in the world. To be a member of the Council 33, you must take a human life in a ceremony to prove your worthiness. We have in our hands copies, and Chick Publications is releasing this in their new book, Angel of Light. Copies Angel of Light, one of the new the things I mentioned. 32nd, 33rd level book, which proclaims Jesus Christ, the God of brutality and sin and evil, and Lucifer, the God of love, beauty, and peace, and the true God. Yeah, a little shocking, huh? Different from the way it's portrayed. But don't be mad at the lower masons. It also says in the same book that the lower masons are sheep to be sheared. Now, many Masons are getting faith through our message, lower and higher, because they recognize when I, and I didn't tonight, gave my initiation to become a witch, and my vow of secrecy is the same as theirs, all the way through, the same, no different. Now, Masons were started by the Illuminati. It's all through our history that they're tied with the Illuminati. Their rights are witchcraft rights when witchcraft had to go underground. We've had people come in and tear up their membership cards and get right with the Lord. Mainly because, if you didn't know this, Charles Finney was a Mason, and when he got saved, he said, I can't be a Mason and be a Christian. It is impossible because the vows I must take are non-Christian vows. Okay? People are getting saved right and left, and they all have one thing to say. When they leave the Masons, the reason they didn't leave before is they were afraid of what the Masons would do to them. Now, if it is a good group, why are people afraid to leave it? Right. Amen. Okay, now I'm so far over Hello, and welcome to another 3ABN Today Live. Thank you for joining us as you do each... Okay, um, there was a video that started playing. And, okay, so, totally over on time here. I really want to go over more stuff. Um, again, the inspiration for Spellbound, Angel of Light, and Broken Cross, and I, I, they're saying they're tracks, and they might be just tracks, are from John Todd from Chick. Um, you can, you should be able to go to chick.com and still get those, or maybe you might be able to, maybe you might be able to find them online. Uh, if you want to know the John Todd, Lance Collins story, the betrayal, abandonment, hurt, and crossing over, I gave you a link to that. I can't play it, but <clears throat> that's how he got betrayed, John Todd. <clears throat> and under that video, this comment was posted four months ago. And it said, I had some weird experiences concerning the John Todd cases. I am overseas in Denmark. Via the internet, I contacted the Supreme Court of South Carolina to obtain transcripts of trials and rulings they have made regarding John Todd slash Lance Collins. 
um, which is, remember, that's his original name, Lance Collins, I believe. On a Monday, I, I accessed the website of the S South Carolina Supreme Court to initiate the process under federal FOIA guidelines. <clears throat> on Tuesday, the website was then locked down. And I was told the website could not be accessed from my country. I am in Denmark. I am not the Danish government who put a firewall around that website. It looks like the feds, deep state, etc. are to this day still covering up anything and everything having to do with John Todd. And I believe he was last heard from in the 80s. So that should tell you something as well. Okay, I'm way over on time. Pray to God this uploads. God bless you and Lord willing, we'll see you in the next audio.